0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Social media, the bane of many in the limelight, for whom that light does not shine brightly enough to satiate their need for validation, for attention. It is the engine that provides the fodder for the proletariat, such as ourselves, who seek to bring you insight and content each week as we ride mercilessly on the coattails of these insanely insecure individuals. Steelers Outpost Podcast. A proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's May 17th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington DC Outpost. And Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. A lot of trending news, Nicholas.
1: A lot of trending news. Big game, James. We are entering the dreaded slow period of the NFL. So there's no more draft to break down which of course gets into a slow period in itself right like the last few weeks before the draft suck because you've kind of said everything you can say about every single draft prospect and you're just waiting for it to happen and then you get the glorious weekend that is the draft which you know when I was younger we, we talked about this we weren't as into the draft uh, years ago but as we started you know covering it here it gets more and more interesting, believe it or not, when you actually know a lot more about a lot of the players who are getting drafted. And it is such a fun game to see how teams value certain people or how they have to make an adjustment if somebody scoops up the best position uh, you know, that they're looking for. Or maybe you're someone like the Steelers who has a really good receiving core, but someone like Juju Smith-Schuster sign, you know, slides to you and having the foresight to pick him up. Because sometimes it's a good idea to just take a strength and make a strength stronger. And there was the Martavis Bryant issue. So anyways, there's all these complexities. People are firing off on social media. It's really exciting. And then you get a couple weeks of really diving into your draft picks, the players that you picked. And then right now, it slows down a little bit before training camp. And retired players from teams will say something on interviews or podcasts, even with former teammates, two retired guys just talking on a podcast, like, let's say, James Harrison and Willie Cologne, for instance. And there's nothing else to talk about, so people blow this to the stratosphere in terms of what happened.
0: Can I just back up? Did I hear correctly? Did you talk about strengthening strengths?
1: Strengthen the strength. That's right. Double down, baby. Steal
0: on steel? On Steal steel
1: on steel. Well, it's like, hey, for actually, for example, I know we're sort of off topic here, but this is the time to talk about these things. The Chiefs had the last pick in the first round, as you get when you win the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs, we all know, their defense is, like, maybe average. And, yeah, they would actually played pretty phenomenal in, in the playoffs. They really heated up. But overall, it's an average defense, the Chiefs are about offense. They're about Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid's scheme, Kelsey, Hill, uh, you know, all of these guys, Watkins, Merle Hardman. And what do they take in round one? They take a running back. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the, pretty much the best running back in the draft out of LSU, who's one of those threats to catch the ball and run between the tackles and do just about everything. You would think, oh my gosh, the Chiefs have such a good offense, they don't really need that much work there. Imagine if they could get their defense you know, even better. But they saw an opportunity to take their offense and go from 50 points a game to 60 points a game. So I love when people um, add, uh, when appropriate, to something that's already a strength of their team to make it sort of unbeatable. Like the Steelers were with the killer Bees, And that was different. Like They didn't prioritize getting all those offensive players. They just drafted really well. I mean, two of the Bees are like late round picks, right? But it was at a point with that killer Bees offense when it was, you had the quarterback, you had three or four receivers, a tight end, a running back, a backup running back. There was just so many weapons and offensive linemen that it was just impossible to stop them.
0: I'm fine with that. Do you know about this college in Iowa, Grinnell? No. Famous, famous for scoring. I think their average is like 136 points a game. Everybody plays, and they're they're pulling guys who are pretty good <laughs> for the whole game plan. Is you know, if you don't shoot within 30 seconds of but touching we're the ball, about basketball. <laughs> I'm just like, switching gears to say, you know what? If you want to, if you want to load up your offense, 60 points a game, like we're not going to waste time at practice. On defense, son. Now defense
1: shoot. Sucks. Shoot the ball.
0: So James Harrison is trending, and this is a. Uh, it's interesting, actually, and it I, is. I don't really find fault with James Harrison. It's as you said, people took the baton and are running in multiple directions with it. Right. James was on a had an interview with Willie Colon on his Going Deep podcast, and it was a wide ranging conversation. And near the end. They talked about his hit on Muhammad Masekwai in October 2010. Against the And Browns. I'll put, I'll, yeah. So I'll put a um, a link to the YouTube video of this hit. It's a pretty spectacular hit.
1: Oh yeah, it's a famous hit actually. James Harrison goes into this later. We, we can get back into this uh, when we get into his comments. But that hit is it sees Harrison. Launching himself like a missile. He's basically horizontal with the ground. Both feet off the ground and just imploding this dude. Mass aquire, whatever. And uh, the NFL used to frequently use that on their websites. And this was kind of before social media was a big thing. But they would show that replay a lot. And as James Harrison said later, they uh, used to sell that picture. In the NFL shop online. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty iconic hit. During that time period of, like, three or four years, like the middle of Harrison's career, when the NFL started getting uh, the the initial embers of the safety, you know, freak out. They, they tried to, um, you know, implement rules and fines to prevent defensive players uh, from injuring offensive players. And it seemed like at that time Goodell made James Harrison... The scapegoat for everything. Like Harrison would get suspended once a year for a giant hit, usually against the Browns player. Uh, Muhammad Masakoy was one of them. Colt McCoy was another victim. Uh, there were a couple of guys during the years, but yeah, that that hit uh, was pretty brutal.
0: Well, let me say two things about that. One, he didn't leave his feet. Harrison actually, he was on the gr- his feet were on the ground when he hit him. Harrison claims he hit him at fifty percent. He said, "I wanted him to let loose the ball." Okay. When you the, look at it it's sure. pretty bad, but I might be he,
1: mixing it up. I know the hit, I know the I remember watching the game live, but yeah, I'm probably describing the picture a little bit wrong. But we should probably get into the point. Like we're talking about the hit a lot, but the point is what he said about what happened after the hit, right?
0: So, James Harrison got fined $75,000. No penalty interestingly on that play. But he did get fined $75,000 right. and the quote is, "Dude, I'm telling you, 75. I ain't going to lie to you." When that happened, right, the GS thing Mike Tomlin ever did, he handed me an envelope after that. And he continued to say, I ain't going to say what, but he handed me an envelope after that.
1: Yeah, the implication being that um, Mike Tomlin placed a bounty on Muhammad Masaquai or something like that.
0: Well, if you look at his storied career, you can see why. All four years, progressively fewer yards right. <laughs> per season.
1: Okay, so it's kind of, it's almost weird breaking this down, but there's a ton of different factors here. Basically, social media is up in arms because they're implying that the Steelers would monetarily reward players for intentionally injuring other players or for, for hurting other players. I, um, they're trying to, you know, hearkening back to the Bounty Gate scandal which, just a little refresher for everybody, is when the New Orleans Saints um, knocked the living crap out of Brett Favre, who was playing for the Vikings at the time, in the NFC Championship game over and over again, en route to the Saints' for a Super Bowl win. Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator in New Orleans at that time, and word got out that Greg Williams would pay players for, for taking players out, or, excuse me, let me rephrase that. He would pay players for... Like big hits, yes, they'd they they'd, they'd get paid if um, they injured someone as well. But uh, you know, they they referred to it as bounty gate because they basically said like Hey, seventy five grand for anybody who knocks Brett Favre out of this championship game." Linebackers will pay other linebackers, and if you uh, listen to any podcasts or or interviews that aren't on national TV, you'll hear from every former player that this isn't just common practice in football. Like, this wasn't like, oh, yeah, half the teams did it. This was a... Yeah, every team did this. And it's not so much that they're paying the players to intentionally injure guys because that's not what happened. They're, like, I don't know. It's just, like, millionaires gambling at a certain point and sort of extra incentivizing each other to play with a chip on their shoulder and... um do you think like, the
0: stickers on the helmet won't work like they do in college?
1: Right, exactly. Or, or in Little League, when they give you the helm, the sticker on your helmet when you knock the crap out of somebody. Um, you know, I'm basically. So people are, are are angry at James Harrison at this point. Um, I think it's kind of insane, right? Because did James Harrison hit him at fifty percent? I mean. I don't know. It was just one of those plays when it's almost hard to remember, but like six, seven, eight years ago, especially 10 years ago, you used to knock the crap out of people like blindside hits like the hit that Juju got fined for against perfect. No one blinks an eye at that. That's completely within the rules. And like that was part of football. You couldn't get blindsided if you ran into a guy like you're going to get absolutely destroyed And that, if I remember correctly, which obviously I didn't describe the picture right, but I think it was just one of those uh, occasions where the guy was coming towards Harrison, Harrison sees a 5'10 receiver coming at him, and he just knocks the living crap out of him. We all know that there's a 0% chance that they had a bounty out on the Browns' fourth receiver or something like that. James Harrison at that time used to just explode people
0: they're just, we're talking about two different things, right? We're talking about the hit itself and then this potential for bounty gates. So the hit was a hit on a defenseless player. And, and if you look at it, there's no way Massimo, he couldn't avoid that and he got blown up. Was right. it a, was it legal at the time? I think its you were pointing out, this is when the shift was starting to take place and the hypocritical NFL decided uh, ex post facto, uh, it, it didn't qualify as a legitimate hit and they fined him. Now the question is whether or not that, Payment wa- constituted Bounty Gate, and what is implied in the story is that that was covering his fine. And as a matter of fact, if you look at James Harrison's later comments, he claims that people are actually sending him money. Yeah, people were fans are sending him money to help cover his fine. He said, Mike T. has never paid me for hurting someone. So
1: he took it back?
0: He gave he- the money back.
1: No, are you saying <laughs> No, no, that Mike- no.
0: No, no, he never he never took it back. He didn't deny he didn't get the envelope. That he got the envelope. He just right. said he never paid me for hurting somebody. And there's a distinction, right? And if, as you said, it's a universal practice for teams to give their their guys money. Do they give them for the big hits? Do they cover their fines? I think that's illegal, but that, that would explain the envelope.
1: Well, let's let's say let's get two things out there real quick. Um, President Rooney, even, th- th- this is how big this Twitter spat has gotten. Uh, Rooney came out and actually said that this is completely fabricated and that he doesn't know why James Harrison would ever say this. There was no envelope. There was nothing like that. I I was actually kind of fascinated that he even got himself into the conversation. I figured this is something where if it's that ludicrous, you just don't say anything and just treat it do as you, ludicrous.
0: Well, do you think that Harrison misrepresented, lied? Because he was looking for some attention. I and mean, these guys are just bantering on a podcast. And maybe he just yeah, threw that yeah, out yeah. to embellish it? Because it, it seems like that would be a hard thing to forget, getting an envelope. Now, I'm guessing he got the envelope after the fine, if he got it. Or is President Art Rooney sort of uninformed and he has plausible deniability? Like, who's going to tell the chief, you know, right. chief junior, that we do this stuff? Although right. I agree, it would be hard to believe Rooney doesn't understand how things work in sure. the locker room.
1: Sure. And and maybe it is one of those things like, just don't tell me, don't tell me any of this stuff. I don't want to know, like just uh, act in accordance to the rest of the NFL. I feel like I'm sort of losing my point here, though. I think a couple things we have to kind of tackle are, do you think that this actually happened? Number one, because I agree, it's a 50 50 chance, like this totally could have happened. This is how the NFL worked at that time. Um there's also a chance that, like, yeah, Harrison, he's got a big personality. They, he literally could be making that up uh, just in, entirely. Um, and then do you think if Mike Tomlin, in fact, who was making, a tr- like, an exponentially lower number in terms of salary than James Harrison at the time, uh, do you, if he gave him the envelope, do you really think there was anything wrong with that?
0: Here's my read on it. I'll answer your question. Yes, there's something wrong with it because it's against the rules. Sure. You know, on the face of it. Yeah. Methinks he protests too much. James Harrison. Mike Mm. T. has never paid me for hurting somebody or trying to hurt someone or put a bounty on anybody. I think he got caught by his embellishment of the situation. It's my, my opinion. Who knows? Maybe he did get an envelope. And he's trying to protect... He's trying to protect... Uh, Mike Tomlin, you know, not not to have lied about him or put him in a, an awkward position, mm-hmm. but he doesn't say I never got the money. I, I think it's I think it's fifty one percent likely he embellished the situation.
1: Sure. Um, now, let's see if this was wrong or not, because there's a distinction between what happened in Bounty Gate for the Saints, and let's say that Tomlin did give James Harrison the money. Uh, there would be a distinction between the Saints situation and the Harrison situation. Now, Sean Payton actually came out as well. This thing is blown up. You know, Pro Football Talk was tweeting about it all the way so that President Rooney said something. Then Sean Payton, uh, the coach of the Saints, was furious because if you remember, the punishment of Bounty Gate, it, it, it caused Sean Payton to be suspended for one full year. And the general consensus around the league is that he was a bit of a scapegoat because this was going on everywhere, and it's not Sean Payton who offered the bounty. It was Greg Williams. Now, I still think that even though that was par for the course at the time around the league, there is a distinction between specifically singling out Brett Favre, the, the star quarterback for the other team, and saying seventy-five grand or whatever the number is. I don't know what the number is. Uh, you know, seventy-five grand to knock out Brett Favre. And, and like I said, I, you know, you have to rewatch that game. I remember watching it live with all the fumbles and interceptions that the Vikings had. They should have crushed the Saints that game. But, yeah, it was brutal watching Brett Favre get destroyed back there. But also at the time, like, that was relatively normal. There were just some games where quarterbacks would get the crap beat out of them before they were protected. But at the end of the day, you still did say, like, they didn't say, hey, injure him after the play. Like, when he's throwing the ball away, dive at his knees. Like, it wasn't any of that thing. But you did say you will compensate somebody for injuring a specific player. I think we can all agree, unless you're a Browns fan who has no basis in reality. And by the way, that's why we're talking about this. I don't want to be like that. Like all over Twitter, the Bengals fans talking about who's the dirtiest team in the in the AFC North. Some Bengals writer put up a Twitter poll about that. And uh, they listed Browns, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals. 96% said Steelers, which to me... Tickled my heart, because that is like, um, if we were in class right now, I'd say, uh, class, please direct your attention to the front of the board for the definition of in your head. We live in your head, Cincinnati. We make children in your bedrooms, and then we leave them there. So uh, we don't want to be like them, though, where they say, like, Miles Garrett, he had a justification. If our players do something, you know, or players with the team we're a fan of do something wrong we want to admit that but I do think that it would be insanity for anyone to think that bounties were placed on any Browns player at that time their team was absolutely horrendous and an afterthought to the Steelers and in addition to that they're not putting a bounty on the fourth string receiver so if Tomlin paid him it would be more like a hey Harrison I know you're getting fined every week by the NFL at this time in your career but we rely on you to be a physical presence and to set the tone, which is how the NFL was at that time. And people were trying to, uh, trying to adjust to it. And so, hey, here's a little bonus to keep being yourself. You know, be smart, but we'll, uh, we'll cover the fine. And, yes, I agree with you. Like, you, sh- you still shouldn't do that. But Sean Payton is furious because he says, like, I, I, I think he said something like, I know they're not going to discipline Tomlin for this. I even want to say that he used Mike Tomlin's name. Which seems to me like, I get why you're angry, because it happened to you, but this isn't the same thing.
0: Uh, I don't know why he would have gotten involved. Sean Payton's getting involved in that conversation. It doesn't serve him. He's just... He doesn't have his facts. Nobody has the facts on this. We all know the NFL is hypocritical, and they are inconsistent in applying penalties and those kind of things. Just a little... This is an interesting fact. You know how much James Harrison was fined in his lifetime in the NFL? It's like two hundred twenty-four, two hundred twenty-four thousand dollars. He two hundred yeah, yeah. of that came within a month. Well, a hundred and twenty-five of it came within a month, <laughs> one month in twenty ten, and then he had another seventy-five thousand in two thousand eleven. So within the course of two extreme. seasons, he was fined. It's kind of weird. Did he just stop hitting people, or did they lay off of him?
1: I think it was a little bit of them laying off nothing. of him.
0: He got virtually nothing up until then, except for sort of his verbal abuse of officials for his first fine of $20,000 and then nothing for two years.
1: Yeah, it was really intense. They used James Harrison as a poster child for the new rules because at the time he was a par for the course top NFL defender who was like an intimidator that way, you know? He's still the most intimidating guy in the NFL, and he's not in the NFL. Like, he was that guy. And now, for the first, you know, football, I like 50 years of having that guy on your defense. And nowadays, it doesn't exist anymore. Like, Ryan Clark couldn't play right now. Like, Ray Lewis would have issues as well. You know, you have to change the way you play. It's a more finesse game now. Harrison was par for the course at that time, but he was kind of the man in terms of being the NFL's intimidator. And they used him as an example of, like, these are not going to, um, you know. We, these can't happen anymore. The same way that, the same way that Sean Payton was used as an example. Yeah, so I get that. Um, like Sean Payton, what are you? This is funny because you guys are brothers in arms. James Harrison was sort of punished maybe more than he needed to be at that time in the NFL because they wanted to make him a scapegoat. They wanted to make him an example. Sean Payton was punished more severely than he should have been as well because, same thing, they wanted to make him the scapegoat for um, Bounty Gate.
0: Nobody's gonna eat here till I find out who ate the pie. That's right. It's the NFL. Yeah. Hey, so the Steelers... The Stillers open up on Tuesday, May nineteenth, along with everybody else. Unfortunately, it's just going to be the bookkeepers and the ball blower uppers.
1: You got to get the ball blower uppers, especially the the ones in Tampa Bay, who are going to have a much more involved job than they used to. Uh, the 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 PSI standards, well, the needle moves a little bit.
0: <laughs> Actually, I think they'll have more ball blower upper inspectors. But what's really, first of all, there are no coaching staff returning to the facility at that point. My favorite quote, the health and safety of our employees will continue to be our priority. Yep. Mike Tomlin agrees with this, thinking that it ought to be a a level playing field and everybody should reopen together.
1: I think that he's correct there. Everybody should open up together. It actually harkens back to what you were saying about the envelope. If they gave him an envelope, it's wrong because it's against the rules. Like, the best thing about the NFL is the parody. Like, that's... it's, It's awesome... How you really know that every year there's only about like 10, or maybe 15 teams, but like half the teams in the league could legitimately make a run. I know Sean Payton said it's like 10 to 11, and he's probably right there. But then then again, the Giants won two Super Bowls. The Philadelphia Eagles, with their backup uh, quarterback, won a Super Bowl. The Los Angeles Rams went from a three win team to a great team, you know. Uh, pretty instantaneously, so that's what's 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 cool about the NFL, and the reason why they have that parity is the rules.
0: Well, one of the things about parity isn't that that everybody's the same; it's that it's a level playing field, right? This really exposes people for you know, the Washington Redskins. They had as much capital and the same under the same system, and just could not move ahead. And I, I think right. there there are three kinds of got three three. Kinds of uh, organizations: one that overthink it, ones that just go with it, because you over time that will regress to the mean, and you'll get some good players. And other ones, Belichick and I put the Steelers in this in this category. You know, you're going to get low draft picks, but you can still keep winning. So that highlights your capability. So I think those organizations just have higher ability, and that's what I like about the parity. Not that the Yankees just have three hundred billion dollars to spend on you know, pitching.
1: Well, that's my huge problem with the NBA right now because I love basketball, but it's just so frustrating knowing that there's, there's maybe like three teams per year who actually have a chance at winning the championship. And it's just impossible for me to be interested in the Houston Rockets every year, you know, when it's like, I know you're good. I know you're going to win some games. I know you're not going to get swept in the playoffs, but you have zero chance of beating whatever team LeBron has loaded up or, you know, KD joining the the, the the Warriors or whatever. And hopefully that parody is changing because there were some weird events that happened in the NBA with KD going to an unbelievable team. That sucked because the, the Warriors were easy to root for. They were all homegrown dudes, no names. I mean, Steph Curry was a famous player, and I, I remember following him back at Davidson when he was lighting it up in the NCAA tournament, but he wasn't, you know, Giannis or LeBron or something along those lines, they were a cool team. They were so dominant. And then he went, KD went over there and then threw off the balance for a couple of years. LeBron does the same type of thing. But um, the point is they're allowed to do that. Like, and, and the NFL makes sure that people, that there's no way to throw off that competitive balance. And, uh, yeah, so I agree with Mike Tomlin along those lines. I'll also say this, in terms of reopening, it really does seem like the NFL... Is made up of a couple people. A, the most competitive, physically successful human beings on the planet in terms of the guys who play football. I do think pound for pound they're the best athletes. Not every position, but especially when you look at like receivers, linebackers, like people who are like, yeah, they're fast enough to run with the fastest athletes from other sports, but they could end their lives in one punch to the face uh, as well the the combination of strength and speed and jumping and pliability and all that is is out of the charts and then you also have to be crazy to play the game of football which is freakishly violent and sometimes it doesn't even matter how good you are you're just going to get knocked out when you're not looking like it's a dangerous game so you have guys who have supreme confidence who play the games and then the dudes who run the game are billionaires, and they've succeeded in everything that they've done as well, and they've never been told no before (laughs) either. So it really does seem to me like the NFL is not concerned (laughs) with the COVID thing, and they think that it's just going to go according to plan, and part of me likes it because I'm like, there's enough billionaires in there to figure it out. They can buy some sort of cure. Apparently the tests are going to be okay. But it is funny to me to see like, oh, they don't don't care at all.
0: Open the gates. Open the gates. Hey, Nick, there's a wrong that needs to be righted. What's that? Those of you who have followed the podcast for a while may remember last summer on our vacation to the
1: Isle white sands
0: than- of Delaware Beach. <laughs> um, so we did, our, we did a, an Instagram post during which we buried our terrible towel at sea. And there's a story behind that. It was necessary at the time. It was. But I'm, but I'm wondering if we took it just one step too far, because look what happened last year.
1: That's true. That's true. It's a dangerous game to play to, to um, take any credit or any blame for our actions. But I will say... The Steelers did win two Super Bowls when I sat on that one place in the couch when I lived in D.C. Actually, I didn't even live in D.C. for the second one. Flew back so we could watch it, and I did not move it out of the corner of that couch. And Santonio San caught that ball and got two feet in, and I haven't been back to that couch. No, I'm kidding. I did go for the, <laughs> for the Packers one as well. It didn't go well, but I don't know. We're, we're competitors, and listen, the NFL evolves, and so do our strategies. That terrible towel, it came into our house and did some, some terrible things. We locked it away. And Super Bowl glory followed. So we figured, hey, Steelers have been on the brink with the Killer Bees era, but uh, it, just, it just they can't push the ball over the metaphorical goal line. Maybe so we have we an opportunity.
0: We have an opportunity, our vacation, which we will coalesce in Rehoboth, uh, Delaware.
1: And you're going to have to break that out. Like, people are going to be descending upon us. Yeah, okay,
0: twenty seven fifty. Anyway, we go on vacation next month, and I think it might be time to do another Instagram post and show the resurrection of the terrible towel from Silver Lake.
1: We're gonna need to make a little investment in, in scuba gear because that thing is is down there in a chest. We're gonna need to bring some bolt cutters.
0: You'll probably sink faster than I do, so maybe you should you should be the diver. I'm gonna have a hard time. You know, I'm still pretty buoyant.
1: Whatever I have to do to help the team. So good news, Eric
0: E. Braun passed his physical.
1: Yes, I don't. This is the first time I, he's been running and cutting without any pain since the injury early last season.
0: How do you get a physical?
1: How did you get one? Oh, but oh that you're not virtually. allowed to see anybody. Yeah, virtually, it's a Zoom physical. They just ah. tell you, just. Do you have one of those medical hammers? No. How about just like a just like a regular hammer. Yeah, in Ebron's case, maybe. He's a, he's a beast of a man. Just go ahead, tap your right uh, knee. Good. Left knee, good. Yeah, that is interesting that he passed the physical. Thank goodness. Sometimes you forget in the excitement with Ebron that you know he's had injury concerns, and they're going to roll the dice on him. And I do think that this is something that we might be taking for granted. Like, there's a couple players on this team where we are really hoping bounce back from injury with Ben, Ebron, and then, honestly, I think you got to look at to it and Connor as guys who just have not been able to stay healthy over their career. So hopefully that all coalesces together, but that is exciting that Ebron is running and cutting with no pain with plenty of time before getting on a football field.
0: So I know that this will come as no surprise and you guys all know about uh the SEC, but I I did a little reading about draft trends. Do you know that the SEC accounted for the first for the 15 of the first round picks. It's a record that was one less one less than the other power 5 conferences combined. What is it with the SEC? Yeah, is it just that they have more time to play football or they just Their parents don't care about their children. They want them out there and they want them hitting and hitting hard.
1: I mean, I think there is something to be said for college football in the South and especially in a lot of these cities where they don't have an NFL team. and, And then just culturally, even at the high school level and youth level, it's a bigger deal. But we talked about this before. In college sports, when you get a great program, you can hoard all the best recruits because you can tell those guys, hey, if you come to our school, our school, you're probably getting into the NFL, you know. Uh, so there's a if you if you get that going and you keep the success, then you're just going to keep getting the best recruits. But it's interesting because whatever happened to those Florida schools, like whatever happened to the U? Like they've been in just such a struggle for a long time, and even Florida State and Florida, for that matter, they, they were crushers, and they they seem to lose it. And Clemson kind of ra- raised up out of nowhere, and maybe you got to give Dabo Sweeney. Uh, a lot of credit for that. Sometimes it just takes a great coach going to that place to to really get them to to you know, turn the corner that way, but it is funny. The SEC, yeah, it's men versus boys in terms of college football. And here's another funny stat, dad. You know that Tua Tagovailoa's entire starting offense from Alabama, it, like the entire round, offense is going first round. Because like, they have other guys, obviously, who are still uh, on the team right now and who have to play their, their final seasons in college. But the prediction is that these guys are going to go first round. and You know that they got Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, the two receivers in the first round. Apparently, like the other two receivers are actually the, the best ones on the team, which is crazy to think about. Um, so it gives you a little pause when you, when you look at somebody like Tua. Like, when you look at a quarterback like that, you can't just say, man, he was so good, they won all the time. It's like, they win with everybody, and I think a lot of quarterbacks could win with every single player being a first-round pick. That doesn't mean Tua's not good, but you can't just use that, ah, he just seems so quarterbacky, you have to tell me how strong his arm is and how fast he is.
0: It's still amazing to me because I I just think that a coach could put up a – Good argument for come to our school because at Alabama, you know, you're going to be the 18th running back. And they do. They have, like, a core. They don't – I actually don't think right. the SEC teams care that much about a running back because there's a line out the door of those guys. that they can get. Maybe not quarterback so much, but, you know, honestly, they, they design an, an offense that works even if you don't have a guy with, you know, a super strong arm. I don't understand how – you mentioned flo- the Florida teams. Florida, Florida State, Miami owned – the the top of the NCAA ladder for years yeah. and why they weren't able to maintain that, why that, that splintered. I would have thought that either success begets success or you get so successful, players like don't want to come, I want to start immediately, and I don't want to start at the bottom at your school. I'd yeah. just be curious to hear an analysis. Yeah, I mean, hear I mean an like Urban Meyer
1: leaving Florida is a big one. When, when coaches leave, it's a big thing. I'm actually even blanking. I can picture the coach for Miami during the Willis McGahee, you know, during those years, I can't even remember. They didn't have a particularly legendary coach, not like a one guy like a Bobby Bowden at Florida State or you know a Saban who was at LSU before. And um, But either way, when a guy like that leaves, maybe you just have like a one- or two-year window to prove, hey, we're still Florida, we're still Miami, and if you don't get that, people are going to go elsewhere. But I agree. It's interesting to look at the psyche of the high school player because if you go to Alabama as a running back and you're the number one running back in the class – you have the number one running back in the class ahead of you and in the class ahead of him. And then, by the way, every year you stay at Alabama, the number one running back from the class that's coming into school is going to get um, taken. So, I assume a lot of those guys at that point are so competitive that they just think, it doesn't matter. I'm better than all those guys. But, so much of it's up to chance, because I sort of think, even at a place like, we just say Alabama, you know, it's you can say Georgia or whatever school you like. But, I don't even know how much better the running backs are than each other. They're they're really neck and neck or almost just as good. But maybe if you get a little injury in preseason, it gets a chance for this other guy to start the first game. And he rushes for 200 yards because he's a great running back and every other player on his team is a first-rounder. And then just the fact that he ran for 200 yards, like, well, he's the guy now. And if he doesn't get injured, you could be the... Sec- you could be better than him, and you still might not get in the game. So it's interesting. Yeah, why don't you go to Pitt or Penn State or even like a Maryland or something? Where Tua Taga, Viola's brother, just transferred. By the way, speaking of which, really
0: yeah. from where?
1: I think he was. Um, people are going to call me an idiot. I want to say he he actually was at Alabama behind tour or something, but I can't remember. He's going to Maryland. But yeah, it's interesting. Why don't you want to go to Wake Forest? Well, let's not say Wake Forest. You know. X other school and start as a freshman. Illinois, or, uh, Illinois okay. or go to Iowa or whatever.
0: We'll have to uh, we'll have to talk to some coaches about that.
1: Yeah, what Wait, do you, well, what do you think? What do you think?
0: Maybe there's a better booster organization
1: ah, in
0: the SEC than uh, let's. So you made the point that there are fewer pro teams. You know why? Because they have pro teams already,
1: <laughs> and the players live nice as they should because they're making the school a lot of money. Yeah. People like Nick Saban a lot of money, so why can't they? make me?
0: So is Harbaugh still the highest paid coach? Because so. when he got hired, he was he actually got more than Saban at the time.
1: Right. I don't know who's the highest paid. I know the the names that we know are the highest paid: 20 and, and Harbaugh, and and uh, that's an interesting one. Why can't why can't Michigan climb the fence? They they always seem to be in the yeah. mix, but they're one of those teams where it's like they're never going to. Championship they get smoked when they finally get to the final dance. You would think they'd be able to get recruits like crazy. But yeah, there's some sort of secret sauce.
0: So Clemson, Swin- Swinney's Sweeney's nine point three million dollars, saving his second at eight point nine, call it, and Harbaugh's fallen to number three at seven and a half million.
1: Well that's uh, that saves him more money on the salary cap, if you will, for his team, right?
0: So Michigan and Purdue Kato. are the only only guys in the top. 10 with a top 10 salary. Interesting. Who's Purdue? It tells you something. Jeff Brome.
1: Oh, the yeah. Brom?
0: Jeff Brome.
1: Yeah, Brome. of course. Great. Old Jeff. Uh, they have a sick quarterback now, I think, again. But either way, uh, there is dominance. It's funny to see uh, these guys where they come from. Usually, if you went to Ohio State, the Steelers want you. Um, No Ohio State guys this year, right? No?
0: They basically go to Toledo and Kent State. Yeah. Hey, so visit our website at SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at SteelersOutpost. Hit us up on Twitter, follow us at SteelersOutpost, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
1: Okay, bye bye. (laughs)
0: Unbelievable.
1: When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences.